Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 58 of All Booked Up, the Buffalo and Erie County Public Libraries podcast about books, movies, and all things pop culture. I am your host, Michelle Snyder. I am Jacob Maracle. And the only thing that I'm sorry for today is that we didn't start hitting record as soon as we got in the room and yeah. had an in-depth discussion about Brian Adams' terrible singing voice. It was it was one of the greatest conversations we've ever had. It would have changed camera. the music industry, but... I mean, it would have, and everybody would be singing heaven to themselves right now because <laughs> you guys missed out on a Star is Born-esque duet that me and Michelle were doing. We, did a, we did a lot of impersonations. It was pretty fantastic. Which at some point... We actually have to talk about A Star is Born because I just watched it. Do and we? Really? Do we? Maybe. Do we have to? Well, maybe we'll see. Maybe we don't. I think I'm in the, the minority here. You know what? There's a very good op- very good chance at our super special post-Oscar live show super that we're Super special post-Oscar live show. <laughs> that we're going to have to talk about A Star is Born. I'm sure it's going to come up. I'm, yeah. It's going to win something. I guarantee you that. So It's true. It's going to come up. Stay tuned, everybody. Did you watch the Grammys at all? Did you see Lady Gaga perform the song? Of course not, no. She was really aggressive. Is she? She was just, like, it's a slow ballad, but she's, like, headbanging and pointing a lot. And That's I was what like, she but always it's not does. even to the beat. Well, that's what she always does. <laughs> I mean, I like Lady Gaga. I think she's super dope. She is. She can do what she wants. She is original. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw mm-hmm. her in concert. If by original, she was you really mean, good. If you mean by original, just kind of doing modern stuff that Madonna did 30 years ago. Madonna didn't do what Lady Gaga does. Lady mm-hmm. Gaga was way more cray about it. Well, it's 30 years later. You got to up, up the ante, but it's the same yeah, concept. But, yeah, but whatever. Same concept. I mean, I hate when people do that. Don't be like, ooh, same as everyone's been repeating everyone. What do you want people to do? Do you want someone to just come on stage and like cut their arms off so that you're like, it's original? Like, no, it's of course it's going to sound like something else that exists. Well, so. Yeah. Agree yeah. to disagree. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll Let's, this is, too, honestly, it's too, born. it's too cheery a, a topic. Let's get back into death and murder. Darkness. So we did, uh, we talked about some real life serial killers last week, um, books, movies that they're represented in, and we kind of wanted to continue that. So we have some books about the real baddies and then some movies that, you know, maybe they're not about real serial killers, but they're still pretty cool. And some of them are books slash movies, so you could double dip. We're, try- we're looking out for both parts of the medium for you guys. Book in the left hand, remote in the right hand. <laughs> I mean, that's this is the modern way. That's how you do it nowadays. Should we just should we just start with some of our faves here? Yeah, sure. So, okay, I think this one, for me, one of the biggest ones and one of the best movies would be 1991's The Silence of the Lambs. That makes sense. Oh, I love that fiction so much. Yeah, that stands as just a cinematic work of art among I'd say all crime dramas and serial killer movies. Oh my god yes. Then the character Hannibal Lecter as everybody knows, they've had three people play it. All three have been fantastic. It's such a creepy character. Everybody but brings is it anyone as good as Anthony Hopkins? Oh, although Mads Mikkelsen. Yeah, Mads Mikkelsen is yeah, just, that is guy is just really as good, great, if not but, better, because that's a great show. But Silence of the Lambs was such an incredible film when it came out. It's only the third film ever to win um, the five like gold rings of Oscar, like Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor, Actress, and Screenplay. Yeah, and it deserved every one of those awards. Every one of those performances and every part of that movie is iconic at this yeah. point. So, I mean, I feel like most people know, but a quick synopsis is that Jodie Foster Foster stars in it is Clarice Starling, um, a top student at the FBI's training academy. Um, and then she lands a special assignment to investigate a vicious murderer nicknamed Buffalo Bill, who just of happens course. to kill young women and then 
you know, no big deal. It just removes the skin from their bodies. Yeah, you know, it's just a little <laughs> thing. Helps. So they want Clarice to interview uh, Dr. Hannibal Lecter, played again by Anthony Hopkins, who is a brilliant psychiatrist and, you know, in passing just happens to be a violent psychopath. Yeah, you know, just a little hobby of his. So he's serving a life sentence behind bars for various acts of murder and cannibalism. Yeah. So, but they think that he might have insight into this case, so... Clarice goes to talk to him to try and maybe bait him. I love the inflection that you're using. I can't, it's, it's just always in my head because I was like, hello, Clarice. Right, hello, Clarice. <laughs> so the, this was inspired um, by, this is a book, correct? Oh, yeah. Uh, by Thomas Harris. It's a book series, actually. Okay. One that I've actually read all the parts of. I read, though, that it's inspired by the real-life relationship of... Um, uh, the professor of Washington in the University of Washington criminology and profiler Robert Keppel really? and the serial killer Ted Bundy Damn. because Bundy helped Keppel investigate the Green River serial killings in Washington and like did all of this analysis for them and that was what they based the story on. Did he really? I did not know that. That's well, see, there's Ted Bundy weaseling his way back into our podcast. Yeah, you know, today. he's he's in everything. I they, guess that's going to be like episode five of that show. And this, what we were also just talking about before we started recording was uh, short appearances in movies because um, Sam Elliott is nominated for A Star is Born yeah. and I just watched it and he's barely in it. But this uh, is, Anthony Hopkins is in this movie for 24 minutes and 52 seconds. I, That's all the screen time he has and he won an Oscar and that is the second shortest ever to win an Academy Award for Best Actor in a Leading Role. You kind of forget how little he's in that movie. Like yeah. the, the reputation makes you think that he's in every scene, and he's mm-hmm. barely in there. Like That's a Jodie Foster movie through and through, yeah. with him just kind of hanging over the whole thing. But the movie, I mean, it's so, it's so creepy. It feels so real. They had real-life FBI behavioral science unit um, on set helping make the film, so I think that just added to it because yeah. it definitely feels like a real story. The atmosphere of it is just—it just everything about this movie is just like a, I feel like it's one of those perfect movies that comes out every once in a while. Like this plot line, it's the story true. Line. Even and like the dialogue, the way it's delivered. Actually, let's just throw—I mean, people are so familiar—but a little clip just to make sure everybody's nice and creeped out this morning. Nice. What did you mean by fledgling killer? Are you saying that he's killed again? I'm offering you a psychological profile of Buffalo Bill based on the case evidence. I'll help you catch him, Clarice. You know who he is, don't you? Tell me who decapitated your patient, Doctor. All good things to those who wait. I've waited, Clarice, but how long can you and old Jackie boy wait? Our little Billy must already be searching for that next special lady. Such a good clip. Oh, it makes me want to go watch that movie now. It's true. It doesn't It doesn't get old. <laughs> I read all of the uh, the Thomas Harris books, and, you know, Red Dragon's one of my favorite books. Uh, I've never read any of them. You really should. How many are there? There's five, I believe, maybe okay. six. Um, they start out really good, the first two, Hannibal and Silence of the Lambs, and then, like, like um, then Han- or Red Dragon, then Hannibal comes out, and it's like, meh, not really Lost great. Lost something? Yeah, and then Hannibal Rising comes out, and that's just terrible. So, okay. Like, you know, stick to the first two, but they're both really good. Okay. Um, the Sons of Lambs actually has got that good movie um, factoid where if you just kind of adapt the book, it pretty much makes for an awesome movie. Okay. They did a very good they job. They did a good job. Yeah, well, it's probably followed, why they won screenplay. Yeah, they followed very closely to the script. They took out some of the unnecessary stuff, but not that much. It's pretty much direct adaptation, and it's fabulous. So. All right. 
kill it up. Let's uh, let me throw let me do a book next. Okay. We'll go back and forth yeah, with go movies for and books. So this this is one of my favorite nonfiction books. Okay. Oh so good. Oh boy, I'm excited. It is called The Devil in the White City: Murder, Magic, and Madness at the Fair That Changed America by Eric Larson. Okay, I have not read that one. <sighs> I like the idea. There's magic involved. Yeah, there's there's a wizard in it. Jacob. Oh, there's a no, wizard. Just oh listen. My God. So it's a true story of the 1893 World's Fair and the just cunning serial killer who used the fair to lure his victims to their death. So, sounds like a good idea. So it is so it's meticulously researched. It has nail biting storytelling for real, which is pretty much how Eric Larson writes everything that he does. I don't know if you've read anything by him, but. Doesn't sound familiar. He's a fantastic nonfiction writer. And it's the kind of book where it feels like a fiction book. Like mm. it feels just like a really good story that you've fallen into. Um, so again, it's in Chicago is where the World's Fair was in 1893. And they interweave these true stories um, from like the architect who was behind the World's Fair and then Dr. H.H. H. Holmes, who is a pharmacist and the serial killer who lured their victims there by his elaborately constructed murder castle oh is that what that okay i know that's i know that story that's actually gonna about to be a uh, tv series yes it is on hulu with dicaprio on, yep so. uh and martin scorsese yeah that's a very ooh, it's gonna be interesting. oh it's gonna be amazing because leo's gonna be hh holmes and it's such a good story america one of america's first known serial killers this guy very famous story actually because as soon as you mentioned h i'm like hey yeah and then i was like you, that means they're gonna do you the just don't know his the background there oh yeah oh it's gonna be See? Oh, I can't wait, but that is a it's an awesome book. Definitely grab it. Oh, so he's a wizard. Okay. Cool. I hate you. You are he's using magic. <laughs> as usual, ruining everything. He's he's using magic and he's got a room with um that moves. It's like inception. Ooh, see. Are you done? I can no, you just talk just about talking. another terrible serial killer movie, please? <laughs> there first of all, there's very few terrible serial killers. Well, movies. I meant the people are terrible. All right. You're so right. there's three things that I love, mm. Michelle. Uh, One of them you're looking at. Well, I'm four now. I didn't actually consider that. You're <laughs> right. Hurtful. Um, but number one, running marathons. Okay. Number two, looking for Dermot Mulroney and making him sign pictures of Dylan McDermott because I, they get so mad. They don't like it. They just hate it so there's very, no very much. I don't know you've ever done this, but continue on, please. On at least five separate occasions. Not true. And American Psycho, both the book uh, and the movie. I love him so much. Like the movie more than the book, because Brett Easton Ellis kind of a creep. He gets kind of hard. He's a total to creep, but yeah. but it works. All that movie and that story is just one of my favorite quote unquote horror movies of all time. I think we it's brought up. We brought it up a couple times on the show. But I feel like I want to ask a question about his serial killerness, but I can't without kind of spoiling the ending. Well, I mean, you know, if you haven't seen American Psycho, hey, a lot of people haven't. It's, it's dark and scary. Oh, but it's just. One of the first performances where Christian Bale really popped, like yeah, in my we, I think we talked about an episode where we played the clip with his uh, his business card. Yeah, with yeah, with our Christian Bale episode. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Check it out in the archives, everybody. Um, but just everything about this movie is just so fabulous. Um, fun fact: with mm. the movie, the original director Mary Heron, she got fired for a little bit, and they brought her back <laughs> for a little bit because they when they fired her they were brought in well originally it was going to be a David Cronenberg movie which wrap your head around what that would have been even even darker and more horrifying than i can't imagine oh well then you would have loved who they brought in before they rehired Mary Heron for this they had Oliver Stone to direct 
with Leo DiCaprio as Patrick Bateman, and they were deep in development. Wow! In that movie. what happened? They just for some reason they're like, nah, I don't like the way this is going. Probably like a budgetary reason hmm. or something like that. And they're like, let's pull it back to the original. It would have been good with Leo. Like Christian Bale is perfection in that film, right. but I, I don't think I think Leo could have done it. He, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I kind of feel like it would. he would have been a little over the top at times, but I guess it doesn't really matter with this role because Christian Bale's walking around sweating for half of the movie. Give a little synopsis of it. Um, so anybody who doesn't know, um, Patrick Bateman is a executive at a, I don't know, does he work at a bank marketing? He does. Marketing. He doesn't actually do anything while he's at work. He has business cards. Yeah, he doesn't actually do anything while he's at work. That's all you need to know. And he sits around all day and he may or may not be a serial killer. That's kind of up to the thing because he basically spends all day dreaming about mutilating people and then in a spare time might take it out on some prostitutes from time to time so that would be a yes yeah but it's just a story about his inner monologue because it's all from first person so you hear just the crazy thoughts mostly centering around like Super 80s pop music yeah, yeah. R- um, wrapped around 80s pop music it just it's kind of like a disdain that he seems to have for the people around mm-hmm. him that he's stuck around with um, it's just an all around Great story, great book, great movie, everything. You should go check it out. I you know. should, but be warned because it, yeah, it feels bad. But like all of these are good, but feel kind of bad, especially well, the next one. You should, feel, you should, you should feel bad. It's yeah. all about serial killers, but you do get some Christian Bale butt, so that's always a good reason to go check out a movie. Getting it right now. Um, okay, so uh, one of our favorites here because our boy David Fincher, who can't go wrong in our eyes, nope. and we talked about him doing Zodiac uh, last week, so he knows his serial killers. But the movie Seven. Oh, I love Seven. So 1995 much. was a much more disturbed year because we were given Seven. Yeah, well, I don't know if more disturbed, but yeah, it's one of those ones that. That movie is so incredibly disturbing. Yeah. It, like, it's great, but you're like, why do I enjoy watching this movie? I do not know. It's Brad Pitt and Brad, Brad Pitt. Pitt looks so good it's in that movie. 90s Brad Pitt, man. Side note originally cast Denzel Washington in that role. Oh, I don't in like the that. Brad Pitt role, and no. he turned it down because he said it was too dark. And then after he saw the movie, he's like, "Oh, I regret that. That Bet. was a really good movie." Yeah, I got, for only time you ever hear me say this, probably better movie with Brad Pitt. Yes. Yeah, Brad I Pitt's don't good. think Denzel would have been good in that movie. No. But. So it's set. I don't feel like it's in New York City. I feel like it's a weird version of New York City. Like they never say. Yeah. And they never show real New York City things. It's just a city like that where it's literally always raining. Yeah. <laughs> so it's very you're New dark. York, you're Chicago, you're a mixture. Yeah. And it concerns, so it has Detective William Somerset, who is played by Morgan Freeman, who's a homicide specialist. He's one week from retirement, as all good cop movies have. Of course. Um, and what I love about him is that every minute of like his 32 years on the force are evident in his just like worn out face. Oh, I just <laughs> like his soul is exhausted and he does a really good job of like putting that forth in the film. Um, so his retirement has to wait for one last case where he's teamed up with the new young hotshot David Mills played by Brad Pitt. Hot one of the best looking Brad Pitt. Yeah, I say like that's a, it's um, a fun good, use of the word hot shot mm, there. It's for sure. Um, so he is going to replace him at the end of the week. He's going to replace Somerset. So he Mills has brought his reluctant wife Tracy with him, played by Gwyneth Paltrow, when she was still very adored. Ugh. And you know she didn't really want to move to the big city, but she's with him, so he can tackle these really important cases. And so his first case is more than they bargained for because there is a crazy serial killer and he's staging these grisly murders choosing his victims um 
representing the seven deadly sins. Which, when they get into some of the ways he does it, oh boy, are they gross. There is they, some disturbing stuff going the on. The one I found, the gluttony one, they used, like, they covered that dude with real cockroaches. They put stuff uh, in his nose and ears so that they would not uh, crawl in him. Nah. But yeah, for real. So, but for all of the disturbing crime scenes throughout that movie, and there are a plenty, nothing is as unpredictable or just emotionally draining as the infamous finale, which I won't say because people might not have seen, but pretty much it's what's in the box. Yeah. What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? <laughs> I was going to try to put that clip in, but they of, swear a lot. Yeah, there's a lot movie, of there's so. a lot of um, f bombs flying around in that scene. New Line executives actually originally balked at the ending, and they're like, "No, this this doesn't really work." But Brad Pitt said that he refused to do the film if the ending was changed at all. Oh, it's so so good, and it's even more satisfying nowadays considering everybody's reputations at this point. Because oh yeah, our boy little Kevin Space is in it. Yeah, him be not our boy there. anymore. Yeah, it's it was, real prescient and creepy that he's in this movie that's really sad but originally so andrew kevin walker wrote the screenplay and he had a really hard time uh getting a studio to buy the rights to it because he was a total unknown so he ended up putting together a list of agents that represent um writers that work in the crime and thriller genres Mm -hmm. and then called each one of them and then got a positive response through them which then they brought it to a studio and they had more sway So it's pretty smart because this dude's like, no, people love true crime or like the idea of this. Like they love serial killers. So they love David Fincher. Come on. It's such a good it's so dark. But if you haven't seen seven, you just have to. You just have to put it on and watch it and be disturbed in every way because you're going to be so disturbed. I can't believe if there are people out there that still haven't seen it. Like, I think there are because there's just some films that you're like, oh, that's going to make me feel terrible. Not everyone is as masochistic as we are and want true. to feel bad. That's true. It is kind of our thing. It's kind of our jam. It absolutely is our jam. All right. Well, you know what? I'm going to go. You've inspired me. I'm going to go with a book movie combination here. Okay. So have you ever read or seen um, The Killer Inside Me by Jim Thompson? Uh, No, I don't think so. So. This is a very disturbing book and book and movies. Um, they had one in, nine, in the 70s starring Stacey Keach, and then there's one from 2010 starring Casey Affleck and Jessica Alba, which, again, kind of bans Oh, I think I factor. saw that movie. I don't think I liked it. It's not a very good movie. But, <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the book is all right. Okay. So it's um, the story about a uh, 29-year-old detective in Texas uh, or deputy in Texas named Lou Ford. Um, he seems like your average kind of this boring guy that will eventually be played by Casey Affleck in case you need a mental picture of him. Um, but it turns out in his uh, you know spare time, even though he seems unremarkable in front of people, he's actually a sadomasochistic, sadistic, serial killer, oh, sociopath who just kind of like goes around and randomly murders people and has a relationship with a prostitute that he hides from everybody that delves into a lot of like... It's a full life right yeah. there. So... Basically, the plot of the book and everything is his brother went to jail for a crime that uh, Lou committed against a little girl when they were young. Mm -hmm. Um, His brother gets out and dies suspiciously on a construction site. So then Lou decides, hey, I'm going to get revenge against this construction uh, magnet that's in charge here. So he basically goes through a thing of blackmail uh, to try to get back at him. Which eventually devolves into like, well, you know, I'm going to commit one murder to do this. I'm going to commit another murder. Slowly, slowly, like the murders start piling up because then you got to like murder to cover murders. And 
and the whole thing again is written by a first person account. So you basically are getting this guy going from like being able to hide his how craziness and his um, mental illness from everybody to slowly just over the course of all the killings and all the stuff that he's doing. It basically slips away and everybody just kind of sees who he really is. And then and then, you know, just your usual small town double murders, double blackmail, everybody double okay. crossing. It's just a good story. It's a good book. And it's one of those ones that people just look at when they want a example of getting inside of a killer's mind. Mm-hmm. This is one of those books that people go to that's a little more on the disturbing end. So it's not for the faint of heart, but definitely worth checking out in okay. both book and movie form. I'll do it. I'm going to throw out two books right now before I go into a movie, uh, just because they're, they're such big ones. But the first one is Green River Running Red. It's the real story of the Green River Killer, America's deadliest serial murderer by Anne Rule. She is like the number one crime Storyteller. We she, talked about her yeah. uh, Bundy book, She's Bundy the book last week. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So this is the true story of the most prolific serial killer the nation has ever seen, and a case that involves more than 49 female victims, two decades of intense investigative work, and then uh, one unrelenting killer who not only attended Anne Rule's book signings, nice. yeah, but lived less than a mile away from her home. Creepy. Yeah, so it's about so Gary Ridgway, his uh, slayings began in 1982 when young runaways and prostitutes began disappearing from State Route 99 in King County, Washington. And he brought many of them home where he strangled them and then left them in a woodsy remote sites. Um, and some of the bodies turned up along the now notorious Green River. Thus, the Green River killer moniker. It all makes sense. It all makes sense. But yeah, so she's a really great crime reporter. Um, So that book has been around for a long time. Very, very popular. And then another one is the book Bind, Torture, Kill. Uh, the Inside Story of BTK, The Serial Killer Next Door by Ron Wessel and then a bunch of others. I think there's like four award-winning win- crime reporters who covered the story for more than 20 years. Um and then created this like this is like the most intimate and complete account of the the BTK oh, killings. All right. um, so his story is that for 31 years he terrorized residents of Wichita, Wichita Kansas. Nice catch um, there. <laughs> thanks. Yeah. And so serial killer he's nicknamed BTK, which is for bind them, torture them, kill them. Oh. Um, BTK is more catchy. He really, he really knew what he was about. But he slaughtered men, women, children, and then eluded the police for decades, while continually bragging about his grisly exploits to the media. Okay. So when they eventually do find out who he is, people are pretty shocked because um, he is uh, Dennis Rader. Um, a friendly neighbor, devoted husband. He's a super helpful Boy Scout dad and uh, the respected president of his church. I don't know why people are surprised when these things come out because it's mean, always something like that. That is so crazy, <laughs> though. You're like, oh, the nicest person I know. Cool, 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 cool. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. you're just a multiple murderer there. That's awesome. No man. big deal. No big deal. So what, what was in that jello? <laughs> nice. Nice there. Um, so those are really good books. If you're into true crime, if you haven't read those, you should. Okay. Um, so like let me go into, at. I have a, a couple more movies. Again, running out of time. But this one I think is good because maybe not as many people have seen it. Um, and it's by my sweet love, Terrence Malick, who I will love forever. But Badlands, okay. 1973. Do you know Badlands? I've heard of it, but I've never seen it. Come on. 
You know Malik. I know Malik, but Malik's a little, you know, it's not a lay down movie. I know, he's not always for you. So the basic plot of Badlands was drawn from the Charles Starkweather murder spree that happened um, with his girlfriend in 1958. So it's like kind of based on a true story. Um, But he kind of uses that story as a loose frame for like, you know, Malicky questions about nature of evil and compulsion. Of course. Our compulsion to watch movies like this. The reason like, why you, do we want to see this? Yeah, the reason you're tuning in for a Malick movie in the first place is like, let's do some meditation to some, a guy. Yes. But the story itself is about a young couple who goes on a Midwest crime spree. So we have the the guy who fancies himself a rebel like James Dean. Like, he thinks he's super cool. That's Kit, who's played by Martin Sheen. Love young Martin oh, Sheen. Oh, young Martin Sheen. All right. Mm-hmm. And then he takes off with his... Like baton twirling Holly, who is just you do not expect this from her, played by Sissy Spacek. Oh, okay, Wait, now, that's pretty good cast see? right there. Sheen and Spacek. Yeah, and they they take off after um he shoots her father because he tries to break them up because he must have thought Kit was a bad dude. I don't know where he got that from. Um, and then once bounty hunters discover their hiding place, um, Kit and Holly just end up taking off and just leave dead bodies in their wake mm-hmm. as they're like escaping. So. What's really interesting that that I love is that the film's tagline, like on some of the posters and stuff, was, in 1959, a lot of people were killing time. Kit and Holly were killing people. Hi-yo. But that inspired the Zodiac Killer, who had been lying low for years, and he wrote a letter to a newspaper denouncing their flippant attitude to violence in society by running that ad. That is ironic right That there. is the craziest. You're like, I'm sorry, it's what? Like, hey, hey, hey. Hey, you guys that's, cannot not, be, that's not good. It's not a joke, all right? <laughs> this, is, this is my life's work. It's serious <laughs> stuff. You guys this need to knock it off. This is my life's work. <laughs> you guys are making oh, fun of it. No. First we had that Clint Eastwood movie, and oh, now this. It's ridiculous. Just stop. We shouldn't be laughing. All of it is real tragic. <laughs> but, um, okay, you, you, you do something. All right. You know what? You mentioned that plot sound awfully familiar about to a couple being on the run. Okay. So uh, I'm going to go with Natural Born Killers. Oh. Easily one of my favorite serial killer movies. Is that right? Yes. Uh, written by Quentin Tarantino, which explains why it kind of sounds like a ripoff. So can I tell you something about this movie and why I'm not going to be able to really talk oh, about no. it with you? Oh, no. I don't so know. whenever this came out, I was young, not 19, super young. 1994. Okay, so is that right? Yeah. Okay, so I'm 14, and my mom saw the movie, uh, and then okay, she like came home, choice. and she was like, "I just saw this movie, Natural Born Killers." She's like, "It was so unbelievably disturbing that I need you to promise me you have to swear right now <laughs> that you will never watch this movie." And I was like, "What?" But she was so serious. So now I am old. It has been many years. And I have kept my promise, and I've never seen Natural Born Killers. I am, like, shocked right now. (laughs) I am going to make you break your promise, your mom, because I have the unrated. Sorry, Mom, Jacob's making me do it. I'm putting my foot down. I have the unrated copy of this movie. That sounds even more disturbing. Everything your mom said is true. That movie is very disturbing. Uh, Woody Harrelson got his first Oscar nomination for this movie. So well-deserved. He is awesome as Mickey Knox. Uh, directed by Oliver Stone, stars Juliette Lewis and uh, Woody Harrelson. Um, they also have like Tom Sizemore shows up in here as a um, detective that a uh, corrupt detective that's chasing him. Brother of a character in Reservoir Dogs, so this movie actually occurs oh, in the connects. Reservoir Dogs universe. Okay. Um, Tommy Lee Jones as a um, psychotic prison warden. 
oh my god it is just so fabulous yeah disturbing and violent uh i think your mom described it very well they're Um, just driving around killing people is this the crux of the story no and oh i forgot about robert downey jr he's in there too as like a true crime of the day kind of reality show guy um they are driving around killing people Okay, well, there, there is that. Uh, but they become more like media star serial killers, like in their own time. Like they become super famous. Their crime spree is like a huge story. Their trial is like a media sensation. It, they do basically become like the Che Guevara kind of deal. Like people are wearing okay. T-shirts with their names. The whole thing is intercut with like animation and random clips throughout the whole movie to uh, kind of accentuate that you're supposed to just feel off kilter. Oh, it's so good. I can't believe you've never seen it. I'm like taken aback. I'm by not it. allowed to see it. Oh, but just, it's such a good movie. It's frenetic. It's fast paced. I'm going to, I have to take your word for it. The last so. half hour, 45 minutes of this movie is a prison escape that is just one of the most like bombastic examples of violence you are going to see. Okay. It is just wall to wall, just murder and mayhem. It's just so good. I'll, I'll oh, I love it so it. much. I unless can't believe I, unless me and my mom won't listen to this episode and she won't know that she won't know that you're doing do it. Download. So. Go, go check it out, people. It's a Tarantino script. Um, Oliver Stone directing. Awesome. Right. Awesome. That's awesome. Okay, I'm gonna throw in two more books before we have to inevitably wrap it up here. Always. Um, but because you were talking about how into people got of him, I was thinking of the book The Night Stalker: The Life and Crimes of Richard Ramirez. Everybody knows about the The Oops. Night Stalker by Philip Carlo. Great name, by the way. Oh, the Night Stalker and Richard Ramirez, both of them. Oh, okay. well, well, yeah, the great, great serial killer named nice. Night Stalker. Great, good job. <laughs> way to way to give him props. Oh, yeah. so decades after Richard Ramirez left, thirteen dead and just totally paralyzed the city of Los Angeles. His name, I mean, continues to be synonymous with fear and torture and sadistic murder. And the book. Um, is based on years of meticulous research and really extensive interviews with Ramirez, um, which kind of reveals the killer and all his horrifying crimes. Um, It's really chilling, especially when you hear from, like, the serial killer himself. But the crazy part is that after the book was first published, and he's talking about these terrible, disgusting, abhorrent things that he's done, thousands of women from over the world contacted Carlo, begging to be put in touch Uh, with Ramirez of course so he ended up interviewing them and then presents their disturbing stories and their like dark desires that would drive them towards a brutal uh, murderer so it's really cool there's an exclusive death row interview with Ramirez um, where he is giving his thoughts on his groupies and like what he thinks they want so we're getting real meta we're like going inside the mind of the killer who's going inside the minds of the people who like the killer and yeah it's it's a real tangle there and then one i have to mention because it's a graphic novel um and i think it's it's really well done and it's a it's a really cool format for this is called my friend Dahmer by derf backderf yeah i know that's not a real name You made that up. It's not. That's his name. So it's about Jeffrey Dahmer, who murdered 17 men and boys uh, in the Midwest between 78 and 91. And then he was eventually captured and incarcerated. And I'd say he's definitely one of America's most infamous serial killers as well. Yeah, I'd put him up there. That's a name people know pretty well. He's on the Mount Rushmore. But what's interesting about this story is that it's before the story. This is Jeffrey Dahmer as an awkward teenager struggling in high school because Durf Beckdurf went to school with him. 
Dirt Factor. I know I can't help it. So it's about him like coping with his unstable mother and how his family's in ruins. And then it's how Dahmer originally starts acting out at school. And he does all these kind of goofball antics, which create this group of like nerd friends for him who have like the Dahmer fan club because they're like, oh, he's so funny and crazy. He doesn't care about anything, but it's because, you know. He's a psychopath. They were right. And they start to really sense that. So they actually made My Friend Dahmer is now a movie. Oh. Which I haven't seen yet, but looked pretty good. And again, it's different because it's him young. So you're not seeing like crimes. You're not not crazy Dahmer. But if you want to get into Crimer or Crimer. Crimer. (laughs) Great name there, too. That'll be yours with your 62 murders. Crimer. But a movie about Dahmer, there is one called Dahmer, which not a lot of people know about, um, which is a look into his life, and it stars Jeremy Renner. Oh. So it's a really, it's low budget. It's kind of rough around the edges uh, sort of film, but Renner is is really good. It has flashbacks, and you kind of see how his madness ends up getting an inescapable grip on him all right so so yeah so i have more but we are there it is we're out of time well don't forget everybody everything you hear on all booked up you can come down to your local library and pick up all 37 branches throughout erie county and a bookmobile if we don't have it just ask for it we'll have it sent to you right away because we are here to get you educated. Do the Twitter. Tell them to do it, Jacob. Don't forget Use also, force, Jacob. we are on the Twitters. <laughs> so don't forget to check us out at All Booked Up Pod at Twitter or on Twitter. I'm not sure which way to put it. And uh, like and follow us. You can talk to me and Michelle on there. We are very attentive to reply to you guys. So. We are. It's kind of fun because I'm new to it. I like talking to random people um, on and the internet. They're doing excellent at it, by It's the fun. Way. Yeah. Takes so up my time. Check it out there. Come follow us. And don't forget to send us your audio questions to all booked up oh yeah i forgot those today yeah oh well yeah send us oscars episodes it's coming up it's and coming i feel up like it's gonna be kind of depressing because i'm super not into it we're gonna be talking about terrible movies that we fell asleep <sighs> during winning best picture um okay but so because we depressed you today here is a fact to make you feel a little better nice did you know violent crime in the u.s has actually fallen sharply over the past quarter century Oh, Yeah, so the most commonly cited sources of crime statistics in the U.S. both show a substantial decline in violent crime since it peaked in like the early 90s. Um, But using FBI numbers, violent crime fell 49% between 93 and 2017. Oh, that's impressive. There's a book about it too that I read. I think it's called like The Better Angels of Our Nature or something. And when you're hearing about just like murders on the streets and guillotines and things like that, you're like, okay, it is like a little less violent in that way. Like stuff was a little more. Oh, they were stabbing you with swords. Yeah. Say so like, how you know, often are you stuff? hearing about guillotines? Like, is that coming up a lot? It's well, I'm talking about back exactly. Say like, wow, well, we did talk it in we the did. 70s. France oh. still got to go. We're bringing it back. <laughs> it did for a while. Also, there's like large geographic variations in crime rates. Like, I feel like we hear about things as like being really violent. Like one fact that I saw was crazy. So Chicago is always in the news for its just like attention to its soaring murder of in course. recent years. It is a problem. Its murder rate though, so in 2017, is 24.1 murders and you know, manslaughters per 100,000 residents. Okay. Okay. But that's less than half the rate in St. Louis, which is 66.1 per 100,000. 
and Baltimore has 55.8 per 100,000. So it's weird when you look at it, it's not like the most violent like they put it out. It's just like depending on the geographic size and stuff. It's really, it's really interesting. It's a big, yeah, it's a bigger city, so people care a little bit more about it. They're like, I want to go to Chicago. I don't want to go to Baltimore. Yeah, so we'll just talk about it more. And then, because you thought it was going to end on a high note, it's never going to happen. It's bringing you right back down. Most crimes are not reported to police, and most reported crimes are not solved. It's true. (laughs) So in an annual survey for the Bureau of Justice Statistics, um, where they asked victims of crime whether they reported it, 45% of violent crimes um, were reported to the police. Um, but like property crime, only about a third, yada, yada, things like that. People just aren't going. So they were asking people like, why aren't you reporting these crimes? And they said that there's a feeling that the police would not or could not do anything to help or that crime in general is just a personal issue or too trivial to report. But it doesn't matter because if you do report it, they probably can't solve it. I'm sorry. Everything's terrible. So Thus again, uh, if your spouse dies, just get out of town because they are not going to find out who did it and they're coming for you. So yeah, everybody sleep tight. <laughs> yeah. Remember, the police cannot solve any of the crimes <laughs> that you're committed against you. It's not what I said exactly, but the stats don't lie. Okay, the you guys. Pur- the purge is real. We're just going to talk about flowers and beautiful things next week or something. But all right, enjoy. Have a good week. Bye.